Welcome back to the Summerhill podcast where we're connecting the school community. This is the place to discover more about the school and what it's all about. In this episode, we're talking about the younger children in school and we have two guests with us. Amanda McKnight is the head of pre-prep at school and we also have the early years lead, Sarah Woodgate. I get to find out lots from the pair of them, including emotional readiness for school, along with physical readiness. We talk about building resilience in young children and what parents can do to help with all of this. It's amazing to hear the level of detail in the thought process that happens in school, and I think you'll be amazed when you hear how it all works. So come with me now as we step into Summerhill and speak to Sarah Woodgate and Amanda McKnight. So today we have Amanda and Sarah with us. So both of you, thank you for being here. Amanda, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Getting near the end of the school year, so we are excited but sad at the same time. Oh, And Sarah, how's your week looking so far? Yeah, really good, thank you. We're having a lovely time outside, uh, doing all kinds of lovely activities that the children have been fully involved in. It all sounds like a very exciting time of year in that case. Uh, so we're going to be finding out a, a little bit about what's been happening in school and, and, and your thoughts on a few things as well. But Amanda, just for the sake of people who are listening to this who might not know you at the moment, just tell us a little bit about how you got into working in education in the first place. Um, so I'm not one of those people that loved school and so it wasn't a definite jump into education. I finished my degree at Glasgow University and then I did do a PGC at Durham University but then I ended up going into business for a few years and I worked in marketing and PR which I, I loved and I ended up at Sony so that was quite fun. Um, but then um, I found teaching again. I went back to teaching um, and absolutely loved it, but realised that I needed to sort of work my way up to be able to change education for what I thought re is reflective of education today. Um, I lived in America for a while, and whilst I was in America, I taught um, at kindergarten, but I also taught, um, I also, like, with my business hat on and my education hat on, um, uh, was part of a team that set up an early childhood education centre, um, which was based on Reggio Emile, which was an amazing experience and sort of developed all their sort of early years and toddlers and, and, and parental programs, which was lovely. Um, and then when I came back to England again, I worked in a, a mixture of primary um, schools in, in the state sector and also then in, in a number of prep schools. So and here I am now at Summerhill. Gosh, that, that's really quite interesting. So it's not like you left your own education, like, you know, school, university, whatever, thinking, right, this is exactly what I want to go into and stepping into that. So tell me how you feel that that experience of life outside of education helps you when you're now working in, edu in education. Do you know, it's always that bigger picture, isn't it? So I come with many hats. Sometimes um, that's good and sometimes it's bad. But th th where it does help me is understand understand parents and the pressures that they have in the, in their own um, careers. It helps me understand uh, as an independent school, it helps me understand our business side of things. So always it's very hard because with, with schools, independent schools, we are fundamentally educationalists, but we also have to be business people um, because, you know, to, to keep our doors open for all the children. And so I think it's really helped me understand both sides of that, for sure. And it's good to hear you say that. And uh, I, I think everyone listening to this right now can fully understand that you do need to be both of those things. And, and it almost feels like a bad word to, to, to talk about 
the world of independent education being being a business but you know clearly it's not like you're out there for as much profit as possible clearly we all understand that but you need to have an element of business sense in order to keep the school going and to provide that that education service that you want to provide well you you do and i think also i don't ever take lightly the fact that parents are working extremely hard to to choose to send their, their children to summerhill and for that i want to ensure that we as a school and business are making making all the right choices for for their children and for them no absolutely right now sarah tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into education as well would you Okay, so my background has always been working with young children. Um, so right from the outset, I was a childminder. Um, I was then a TA. Uh, I ran a nursery as a deputy manager for a bit. And then I sort of been in the school environment for the last 20 odd years. Gosh, okay. I became a teacher. Um, and my passion is sort of very much early years, uh, as well as outdoor learning. So I've been able to sort of bring the two together. So you started out then as a that's a teaching assistant, is that right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I was a teaching assistant for 12 years before I became a teacher. Okay. And now you're what we call an early years lead. Just tell us what, what that actually means, would you? So this is a new role that's coming to me uh, now and sort of mainly embedding in September. So this is uh, an opportunity for me to look at the whole early years curriculum and uh, work very closely with a group of people to make sure that we are giving our young children the very best that we can, um, both in the classroom and in their outdoor environment as well. Well, It's great to hear that. Uh, Well, I'm sure that all of that will go very well indeed question for either of you I'd love to understand uh, what parents can do in order to help that transition into reception tell us a bit about how that looks at school and what parents can do to help that's a good timely question because at this time of the year parents are starting to get a little bit I hate to use the word worried because I don't want them to use that word with their children but um, they're more tentative about what is coming up. And, and often we get the question, and you see it a lot in newspapers or in articles, you know, school readiness and how best to prepare children for school. And, and we would absolutely always say there's two main things you can help your child um, get ready for school with, and that is emotional readiness and physical readiness. And so to understand that a little bit more, emotional readiness is getting lots of sleep, it's eating well, it's talking very positively about school, it's talking about what things to do if, if, if things are, if, you're, if you've got questions, always ask your teachers, they're there to help. The teachers at school care as much about you as we do. If you are worried about something, talk to them about it. All those things is emotional readiness and it's also about helping children understand their emotions so helping them understand that when they get upset it's okay to be upset um and and I can feel upset as an adult and what do I do when I feel up sometimes I just have to take a little walk now we don't advocate children just walking off off site and having a little walk but perhaps finding an adult to go and have a little walk with or asking mummy to go outside or take them outside in the garden to breathe some fresh air teaching some breathing exercises look at a lovely book with them just take them out of that space where they're feeling really down about things or a little bit worried um if they're feeling frustrated about something it's really really good to sort of talk to children about it's okay I feel frustrated and giving them ideas as parents of why you're feeling frustrated I had a really bad work today a day at work today 
because somebody said they'd do something and they didn't. And I'm, I got really frustrated and that felt like I got cross inside. Oh, what, what, what do you, do you ever feel like that? And making them see that actually having emotions and feeling emotions is a really positive thing. And it's how we deal with those that are the important thing. And so emotional independence is being able to deal with that because it really does help a child thrive at school if they can get through things and through, you know, negotiations with friends or social situations. So what we call, there's so many, um, you know, letters we have at school, but we, PSED is a big part of the early years foundation stage and it's the personal, social and emotional development and, and it is massively important. It is developing independence and confidence socially and emotionally. So that's one side of it, getting school ready. And then the other side of getting school ready is the physical development. So it's getting their coat on. It's, um, you know, although as parents and, you know, I'm a, I'm a mum of three. Uh, sadly, my baby now is 16 today. So he, he he's getting pretty independent. Thank goodness. By 16, I'd be doing something wrong if he wasn't. But... When they're little, it's very easy, isn't it? To, if you're dashing, and we're all dashing now, life is so fast now for, for families, but it's really important to take a pause and build in an extra 10, 15 minutes to your day to allow your children to get dressed themselves, to allow them to put their seatbelt on, teach them that, to allow them to put their socks and shoes on. You know, socks and shoes is a great one for little nursery ones coming in. They'll take forever to do their socks. Their, their, their feet will look like the stickiest things ever because those socks just won't go up. But teaching them to roll them down and slowly, slowly pop them on their toes and roll them up, all those things are school readiness, believe it or not, because a child will get such a kick out of being able to do things and that's self-esteem. So we ask you to be able to help with that because when we take them swimming in reception and we've got 18 children to get ready, that could be a whole day. So we ask them to please help with that. Going to the toilet, really, really important. By reception, by nursery, they, they come in potty trained at two and a half and that's developmentally where they should be. Obviously, there'll be some children that are struggling with that and we're really happy to help parents and children with that journey because that's what we're here for, a partnership. But by reception, when they're going to the bathroom, they should be able to go to the toilet, look after their needs, wipe themselves and come out, wash their hands. And all that is, is part of their physical development. And again, builds their self-esteem. They're not that child that can't do that. So to us, forget learning to read, learning to write, writing your name, all those things. That's lovely, but we're really good at that. So leave that to us. And if parents could work on that, that would be absolutely fantastic. That's some great advice there. That that's awesome. And and actually I'm thinking about my own children who are who are older than that now, but thinking back to when they were that sort of age. If I'd heard that, that would have been super helpful for me. Now, one of the things we keep on hearing about, especially in the media, is about children and resilience. And and often the media portrays this in quite a negative way, talking about children being snowflakes. And I, I think they're often talking about children a little bit older than reception age. But nevertheless, tell us a little bit about resilience and Summerhill and how that how that actually looks there. So I think resilience is a, is one of those words that has become everything and nothing at the moment. I, you know, the, the thing they're saying at the moment, and I think it is it's really true, is that resilience is the greatest indicator of success in life and i i absolutely think that is very true and i think if 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 you have resilience you are far more likely to succeed you know it's the ability to bounce back from stress or failure or challenges 
it isn't something that children have or don't have. It's something they develop as they grow. So it's something that we can facilitate. We can help have moments for them to learn those things. And so, you know, I'm going to pass over to Sarah here because she'll talk to you about resilience out at Saplings because it's why we really brought in Saplings because we could see these little ones and we do, the staff here, the teachers here, the teaching team and early years practitioners do an extraordinary job of educating. I'm so lucky to have an incredibly nurturing and brilliant team in that way. But I also want to develop common sense, but a nouse in these children. I always laugh when I see parents coming through and I'm saying, I'm developing these little ones because they're going to look after me in my retirement. But it, it is true. We need a resilient workforce who are going to go out there. Their world is going to be really different with AI and all these things. Jobs are going to be very different. So, you know, all those things that we learned about to be book smart and to have all those facts in our head, they're not going to need anymore. What they need to do is be able to sort of analyze all those facts and be problem solvers and to do that they're going to have to be really really resilient because things are going to be thrown at them and and the world is going to be very different so I'm going to pass to Sarah because she'll talk about how that's fostered out at Saplings. So out at Saplings we are a program that runs all year round outside we do have some shelter out there for for those weathers that aren't so kind to us we have a heated yurt um, we have um, some shed facilities that have running water and proper toilets and things like that so this very much is a space for child-led learning so although the adults will devise and plan a curriculum, there is lots of opportunity there for the children to decide what they want to do. So for us, resilience is about confronting the uncertainties of the weather and um, things that they want to try and do. And that might not come easy to start off with. They might want to be able to climb a tree like their friends, but they might be afraid. So we challenge them out of their comfort zones, you know, have a go, how high can you climb? Um, let's learn a new skill. Can you learn to use a saw to cut some wood? What can you make with that? Would you like to make a bridge to make so that the cars can go over the swamp? What can you use? All of those kinds of activities and facilities. So it is really scaffolding their learning and facilitating that through lots of conversation, getting their ideas, um, supporting those ideas, but then the actual work or the job comes down to them um, in groups, individually, with a friend. So lots of activities to get them thinking, um, assessing their own risk, um, thinking about, you know, they might be worried about going on the slack line. Are they going to fall off? Can they hold on? Can they get to the end? Can they light fire? That's a skill, lighting a fire with a steel, with a fire steel. You know, they get quite upset because they can't do it straight away. But again, we're getting them to persevere with skills so that they get the end result that they want in the end. It's really good to hear you but talking about things like taking risks. And I'm going to ask a quick double question here because one half is what sort of support do you get from parents when, when the parents find out that their children are going to be put in, if I say risky situations, clearly risk within, within boundaries, of course. And I think we all understand what that means. But, but the second half of that is how do you handle situations where a parent might be slightly overly worried when you know that they don't necessarily need to be? All of our activities are obviously risk assessed. So that means that the adults out there have thought really hard about those activities. We've got 
eyes all around us all the time and getting across to parents that, yes, it is a more uh, higher risk environment and they will be um, encouraged to participate in um, higher risk activities. I think it's about those open conversations. It's about having those open conversations with the parents and also really high ratios of adult to children as well. We teach them very early on about fire safety. So right at the beginning of term when they come in in September, um, there's lots of embedding of our safety rules, whether that's around fire, whether that's around tools. And the children very quickly pick up on those. And then when we feel they are ready, we will then move on to do those more risky activities. The parents have been extremely supportive um, and have very much in, enjoyed having their children out um, and seeing the photographs that we provide at the end of the session so they can see exactly what their children have been up to. The children often go home buzzing, talking about all the things they've done. They've used saws, they've used hammers and nails, they've lit a fire, they've cooked soup on the fire. Um, so they see the whole process. So parents have, you know, they, they've also been part of that through our sort of shared network of uh, fo photographs and communication. And I think this is what was really important about when we developed saplings. It is part of the preschool. So when she's talking about saws and nails, these are two and a half year olds and three and a half year olds. It is phenomenal what they are doing out there. And actually the feedback from parents. So we, we are a year old now. This is we're completing our fourth term. So we're very excited and we are full. And, and so it's grown and it's been very successful. But it, it has been about developing relationships with parents. So the programme is sort of interwoven into the preschool programme. It's not a satellite forest school. It is part of their Summerhill education. And that to me was really important because forest school's been around for a while, but actually... And, and it's brilliant and it's wonderful. And we all know um, there's so much research says how fabulous it is for resilience, for well-being, all those things. But for us and for our team here, the most important thing was to kind of immerse it into the children's early years foundation stage experience and what the curriculum that they were doing indoors it shouldn't be separate it should you know this is a child's learning journey whether it's at home it's at school or it's out at saplings it's all being brought together so building that relationship with parents so that they trust us to take their children out and also so we can hear what they've done at the weekend is part of of the dialogue and a part of that child's education so i think it is it is trust, I think, is probably the biggest word we have here. But we, we building relationships with parents is very important to us. It's so good to hear all of this. And, and you know, I love the way you talk about it being a journey because, you know, clearly there, there's a journey there to, to be enjoyed along the way as well. You know, it's not just about destination. And, and it looks like to me that the children are really enjoying all of that. And, you know, keeping the parents in that loop. You talk about the photographs as well. It's a, it's a great, great way to keep in touch with them. Tell me more about this. I'd, I'd love to understand a bit about, you know, how we can strike that balance between encouraging that independence in, in those young children and providing support for them during those early years. That's the tightrope balance. So it's, it's what every practitioner is doing every minute of the day is choosing when to step in to help and when to step back for them to develop their resilience or that learning moment. And so that, that's a hard one to answer. 
because I think it's it's that in the moment. So we it's always funny. I early this is a, an ongoing sort of debate on whether you plan your lessons in early years or whether it's in the moment planning or whether it's a, a medium term plan which covers the term and has certain signposts. And and I would say that it's a little bit of everything. And and because every child is so so very different and and every practitioner is as well it depends on what their next step is it depends on how they learn as learners are they active learners are they more emotional do they need more nurturing to take that next step so it all depends on on where they're at and that's where the key worker relationship is really really important and what we do here so in every early years um, setting you'll find that um, they have key workers and a key worker is basically a trusted adult now the, the school is full of trusted adults but there's a special relationship that is built where the parents have that contact of a one-to-one, so somebody, and, and it means the ratio is lower. So that key person will have maybe one to six children or one to eight children across the whole year. And they really, really get to know that child inside out. And, and that dialogue between parents becomes very tight. What we do is right at the beginning when we have new children come in, we don't assign a key worker. Um, it's really lovely. What we do is we wait to see who, who that child sort of, kind of has affinity with because we all know as adults don't we that actually people all have chemistry and it's really important that we allow that child's chemistry to go to who they they sort of feel a magnetic sort of pull towards so when when we see that then that it's a natural relationship it's not forced upon them it's a natural relationship which grows and across the years from nursery when they come in as our little two two-year-olds up to to when they finish with us at reception and they're ready for year one and they're sort of more formalized teaching whatever you know formal means now I think we try to make it still lots of fun here but that that progression is is key on getting the independence right, but fostering opportunity to model and to step in and to teach, to teach. So it's it's a fine balance. That's a long way of saying it, but it's a, fa- a very fine balance. Well, it's a balance. It, it, it seems to me that you seem to be getting extremely just spot on because clearly you're spending a lot of time thinking about what the right thing is to do here, which kind of leads me on to my last question, which is, what can parents do to help all of this? Because I'm thinking that if you do all of this great work in school and then there's always a risk that a parent might accidentally undo some of that learning that you've been teaching to the children. Gosh, um, again, just like every child is unique, every home life is unique. We have parents at work weekends. We have a lot of doctors at work weekends. We have parents that are traveling abroad. We have all sorts of parents. And so... It's hard to say this is what you should do. What what I always say is try your best. We, it's all we can do as parents. Just try your best. I would say one of the biggest things that we have as parents to deal with now is technology and busy lives. And I think parents now, lives are so busy that they are exhausted at weekends. But try and get out for a walk as a family at the weekend is really important for your well-being and to spend time with your children in the peace and quiet away from everything as you know whatever the weather getting out is really good um i would say read 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 to your children because there isn't a nicer joy and honestly now my children are all grown up i do miss snuggling up with them at night and reading a lovely book so please don't miss that opportunity however tired you are even if you look at a couple of pictures with them it's important that you show your love of reading 
I think also spending some time together, having a shared meal together, mm-hmm. sitting down the table, having a meal together, just being able to model how to use knife and fork, um, having those shared conversations. I think at the end of the day, when you sit down as a family to eat your meal, that's a lovely time to reflect on your day, open up that dialogue. And then hopefully the children, when they start school and they come home from school, Again, that will be a continuum of sitting down and they will share their day with their parents. Oh, I love that. I, I really do love that. Keeping an eye on time, we need to bring this to a close now. But uh, it's been great talking to you both. So, Sarah, first of all, thank you for being here today. Thank you. And Amanda, it's been great talking to you and thank you to you as well. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So that was Amanda McKnight and Sarah Woodgate joining us from school and talking all about the young children there. Thank you both of you for being with us today. It's not easy being on a podcast, but you both did a great job with this. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.